Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Hey, Janine. Hi, how are you? Good. Excited we have all the electronics working again. This is, you know, two weeks in a row. Score. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. This is fun. This is fun. Well, I am so excited to be bringing us episode number two of the Tummy Whisperer podcast, and it couldn't come at a better time. I know you're going to dive in and be like, what are we going to talk about today? But I'm like, as you can see, raring to go. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to be talking about allergens, allergies, histamines, foods that have histamine triggers, triggers for people that they might not be making a connection to from what they're eating to something that's touted as healthy to how their symptoms could be um, exacerbated or, or turned on or all of a sudden they're having some kind of problem from runny nose to a headache to horrible bloating to vertigo. I mean, there are so many things. Is that, that vertigo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A non-traumatic vertigo from somebody that hasn't had some kind of head trauma could be from two things. One, foods that are very high in histamine, if they're, people are eating a lot of them, or could also be a lipase deficiency. Lipase is a, an enzyme that digests fat. So always more than one way to skin the digestive cat. But yeah, with that being said, uh, I know that people are going to have a lot of questions. And as you know, so many people, and I get this so often, are changing their diet. I start almost these episodes with, I've changed my diet. I'm adding more nuts for protein. I'm staying away from red meat. I'm avoiding this because I think it bothers me. And again, that's your first sign. Hey, something is bothering you. However, if somebody starts changing their diet to foods that are going to bother them even more, even though they're touted as healthy, that's going to be a problem. So I thought this would be a great place to start, um, especially this time of year. I love that. I think that's I think that's fantastic. And I'm so intrigued by what you have to tell me because who knew? Who knew? And people don't know. And you know, it's it's until they know. I mean, so many times when I'm doing consultation with people, they're like, Oh, I switched my dairy to almond milk, and I don't know. I I don't think I still feel good even switching to almond milk. And it's different for everybody. And and I cannot emphasize this enough. So many times, and for me as well, my clients will say, I don't tolerate eggs unless it's baked into bread and I'm okay if it's in baked goods, but regular eggs, I'm not okay with. And that is true for so many food items. And the same goes for foods that are high in histamine. And it, it, it can be a different chemical cocktail depending on if the food is raw, cooked, steamed, stewed, you know, what's the energy around what the food is? How does your body respond to it? There's so much that goes in. There's so much chemistry that goes into what we eat. And then from the time we ingest from the mouth to the south, right, from the time it gets down, if it does, if it can, what's happening from all these chemical experiments and what's happening in the body and why is the body starting to show symptoms. So I thought we'd kind of take a little dive in and I want to invite everybody to start always, always pay attention to what's going on. If you have that little voice in the back of your head where you're like, I just ate this something. I just had this caprese salad with a little balsamic vinaigrette. Should be very healthy. Tomatoes, vinegar, little cheese or whatever and my nose is running and I have a headache. Why would that be? Well, 
Tomatoes can be very high in histamine, can trigger a histamine response. Same can go for fermented foods and vinegars. And the list is almost endless. So, and it can cause, right, just so much, so many different kinds of reactions in the body. So how do we start to untangle this? Well, we start to look at some of the big foods that are being eaten. If somebody's eating a lot of histamines, we start to see if we can dial that back and see if we can turn down some of these symptoms. And it takes some navigating and, and everybody has a threshold. You know, what is the threshold? So for me and my husband, we're both sensitive to histamines. But we have more sensitivity for me this time of year in the springtime. I'm more of a springtime allergen person. He's more ragweed and in the fall. So he really has to dial it back in the fall. I have to dial it back this time of year. But in the wintertime, we know we live on the edge and we have a little bit of balsamic dressing on our salads. Woo! (laughs) It's like that. That's our big cheat. But, But there's just so many foods that fall into that category. And I just thought it would be a great place to kind of Take a little tiptoe through the histamine tulips here. The histamine tulips. I love that. <laughs> so, so yeah. Do you ever notice in your body that you eat something and maybe you kind of have something in the back of your mind? Like, I'm not sure if that's the right food item for me. Have you ever thought that? Dairy. Dairy doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. What happens when you eat dairy? What do you notice? I get sluggish. Uh same thing with my, I, I get nasally, things like that. Yes. Just yeah. crazy. So, you know, but it's kind of like, eh, it's not that bad. I'll kind of keep dealing with it until it gets to be a big problem where you're like, I got to, I got to deal with it. So the same goes for any kind of chemistries of food that you're eating. And dairy is a, dairy is a tough one. You know, gluten is okay. It's easier for people to get rid of. Dairy is a tougher one. Because it's so delicious, right? Cheese, ice cream, cheese, anything, cream, anything. <laughs> In fact, I have a I have a friend who's a dear friend, and she was just making lunch yesterday, and she said she's making um, cucumber salad, and it reminds her her grandmother used to make this specific kind of cucumber salad. And I thought I asked her what kind of dressing she was using. Was she using like a rice wine vinegar? And she said, "I'm using a cream vinegar." And I thought, "Oh, well." I can't have that then. <laughs> How dare her? <laughs> it's fine for her. She doesn't have any issues. But dairy can be a big trigger. And again, these triggers release little um, like chemical Molotov cocktails in our cellular matrix. And that's how people get symptoms. They get these symptoms when these little chemical cocktails are released from eating something. So Janine, for you, you know, having this kind of little nasally noticing dairy is a trigger there's a lot of easy things to swap out and you know, it, it might be worth looking into at some point. So, <laughs> so gluten, dairy, and what other things would cause like a high histamine response? Gluten typically, I mean, dairy isn't really um, a high histamine. Dairy isn't, but gluten is, um, you know, certain types of nuts, um, fermented foods, people, again, for gas and bloating, Google, Dr. Google is great for like, take your kombucha and have sauerkraut and fermented things. And for the wrong person, it's the wrong thing. For some people, it's a non-issue. And for some people, it's a miracle. But for my clientele and the people that find me, it's the wrong thing. And they know because they either feel worse or it doesn't do anything or they have that, again, that little voice in the back of their head saying, 
if I feel as good when I'm eating this. And it reminds me years ago of when I was doing bone broth. Bone broth is a big thing, right? People are healing their gut with bone broth. Not so fast. <laughs> and I was Ooh, right. Tell me about that. Cause that was like a whole thing. That was like a it's whole in, trend. And it's, it's in everything now. It, it's in the toilet paper. I mean, you, bone broth, bone broth, all the dog food has bone broth. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's in just, the toilet paper. <laughs> it, it's in every damn thing. But bone broth, the longer it's cooked, the more histamine it has. And it releases more histidine and histamine as it's being cooked. So you're basically ingesting a histamine bomb with bone broth. So how do you heal your gut? Start eating an anti-inflammatory diet. Start digesting an anti-inflammatory diet, helping your body absorb the nutrients and get rid of the waste. So, and for some people, bone broth, they do feel a little bit better. But again, again, you're going to hear me say this on every podcast and the audience is going to repeat it. There is no one size fits all in nutrition. None. Something different for everybody always, even with my husband and I, you know, he's, we're mostly the same, but we have little differences for our diet of what's going to be okay for us. That's so interesting. What about things like, do, does meat cause anything harmful it can if it's not consumed after being cooked pretty quickly so with any kind of animal protein you want to cook and consume within 24 to 48 hours we say 36 hours like tops for somebody who's very sensitive but i've had clients over there tell me you know i really have to eat my food that I prepare same day or next day. If I have it two days later, and this is animal protein, they can start to feel their histamine symptoms. And again, the layering process is what time of year is it for them? Are they more fall allergens? Are they, are they all year round allergens? But the longer animal protein is sitting in the fridge, so that includes lunch meats and things of that nature, the more histamine it has. So best is to cook, batch cook, put some in the freezer, and then pull out what you need as you need it. We don't have animal protein longer than 48 hours in this house, 48 to 36 tops. That is so fascinating. So for someone like me that eats, like I'll cook some a meal on a Sunday in the crock pot and then I'll have it for four or five days. It's probably not the best thing. It might be okay for you, Jean, if you don't, I mean, do you have seasonal allergies that you know of? Yeah. Not so that you I know can, of. You would know. I mean, you'd be, you know, sniffing, snorking, itchy nose, watery eyes, things that I'm experiencing right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you if you don't have histamine issues, it's probably okay for you. I mean, I wouldn't go longer than four days. Obviously, fresh is better. But for someone like me and people that are struggling with histamine issues, they really do need to kind of get their proteins cooled quickly and consumed on the quicker side, vegetables, not so much other foods, not so much. It's more the animal protein. So what are your triggers? Like what causes a trigger for, for you with his and with, with allergens? Stuff um, like that? Citrus. So I don't, you Ooh. know, I don't even push it. Um, citrus, um, nuts for sure. Uh, nuts will bother my bladder. So women or men who have bladder issues absolutely need to start looking at foods that are 
high histamine and high oxalate. So um, foods that are being consumed that have those chemistries in them could certainly bother the bladder. For me, it's not so much an oxalate issue, but it is more histamine. So if uh, chocolate is another big one and my clients know too, they love chocolate. You know, we try to figure out how they can roll out some chocolate a couple days a week, put some space in between having some, but like if I have too much, I'll feel it in my bladder where I have that pressure and it will disrupt my sleep. And there's so many different things that histamine does. So histamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain and it can disrupt the sleep, cause hormone imbalance. I mean, blood pressure, dysregulation, headaches. In fact, for everybody listening out there, that's going to kill me because you love your wine. Who doesn't? And right, wine is just laced with histamine. You can go onto Amazon and order something called the wand. T-H-E, second word, W-A-N-D. It's a histamine remover. Who knew? So you, it's this little wand thing. You just stir it in your glass of wine you, for about 30 seconds, let it sit in there for three minutes, take it out, and drink your wine. And it really does help with people who have a true histamine intolerance. Not that I'm recommending, you know, have your wine every day, but for people that like an occasional and don't want to have a headache, bloating, vomiting, diarrhea, the, the hints of those things that they can feel, you know, there are plenty of hacks out there and I have a lot of them. So <laughs> the wine, wine. wine's the big one. I love red wine, but I can't drink it anymore because it, it triggers severe migraines. Severe. And that's, yeah. Well, so my honey, order yourself the wand from Amazon, whether you love or hate Amazon or not. Sometimes we I all just have it. Yeah, I sometimes do have to order from Amazon. <laughs> um, and I always do recommend wine from other countries. I don't really love the wines from the United States. We we don't have a strict uh, standards for the way we care for our food here in the United States that other countries do. They, they care for the food a lot better than we do. So they have higher standards of what's acceptable to be put in the food. Oh. So if you guys, if you, for my wine people out there, get something from Italy, anything from Europe, I don't care, Argentina, Mars, whatever, just not the U.S. <laughs> no That's a good US. point, Renee. Yes. That's a really good point because I, as a red wine drinker, I would like a, like a Pinot Noir, but it's normally like a California wine. You should so, try. You should try a Pinot Noir from somewhere else, um, or like a. I don't know my wines all that well, but like, um, what's the big one at the not the Merlot? Um, I'm forgetting the, the cab. Other one. Cabs. Yeah, I mean, even any or Shiraz or something like that. You know, you can get something from another country. I would encourage you to get like a bottle, try it from anywhere in Europe grab that wand and see how you do. Maybe just even do like half a glass just to see how you tolerate it. You know, not that I want you to have a migraine, but. Would that, <laughs> call, would that trigger a migraine? Would the, was it, is that what's triggering the, the migraine, the allergens in the wine? It's the histamines. It's one, it's one of the things. And wow. could be also the sulfites and it could also be the toxins. So grapes, grapes, by themselves are high in histamine. Then fermented grapes, which is wine, it's a bomb. Oh, but wow. They do have, you know, they have biodynamic wine now and organic wine. The last time I tasted a biodynamic wine from Whole Foods was many years ago, and it was just horrible. I do think they've come a long way. So that's something worth trying, too. A lot of the audience out there is 
very savvy and maybe into some of this biodynamic wine and organic. And again, the less pesticide that you're putting in your body, the better it is. I mean, pesticides are meant to kill bugs. And while we're a lot bigger than bugs, it's kind of a slow death for us, right? So this is how pesticides work. They actually make a leaky gut in the bug. They leak the bug's gut quickly, the bug dies. So for us, it causes a slower leak because we have a larger stomach mass. But over time, we get all these crazy symptoms that are related to digestion and leaky gut from so pesticides. Grapes? Grapes are uh, high in histamines? They are. They are. By themselves. But again, add the fermentation, like I mentioned, and you've got a nice histamine, delicious histamine bomb. (laughs) I had no idea. So people that eat grapes that are sensitive to, to that, what would they experience? Like what's a common symptom? Um, could be something as simple as bloating, could be constipation or diarrhea, could be a little bit of skin flushing, rashing, could be runny nose, sneezing, poor sleep, um, you know, all kinds of headaches. Just that not feel- insane. I had no yeah. idea, like you mind should, blown today. You should look it up, histamine intolerance headaches, or just put in the word you want. Not that I'm recommending Dr. Google, but it's fun to kind of see some of the things if you're curious. And it's, it's pretty easy to do low histamine diets. And there's a lot of good change-up items that I help people with. So if people are not wanting to do this out on their own or thinking that they can't because it's hard. I'm actually always here for you and could help kind of roll out some of the dietary part. And that's always the first part when we're looking at any digestive symptoms. The first part is what are you eating? And then how is the body breaking it down? So occasionally I'll run across a client that really presents as a histamine person and it's not really histamine. They have other digestive issues where they're not really breaking down their food and they're not either making enough stomach acid or they're more of a fermenter and they need more uh, mm. different style of digestive aids. So it's it's a process for many of my clients, but for some people it's plug and play, you know, change a diet, get some digestive balancers on board and it's like, woo, then they can tolerate more foods like an occasional glass of wine or something chocolate mousse dessert. <laughs> so what supplement, like you, you're really good at, at recommending supplements and proper nutrition. So when you, when you do that blood panel and that comes back, is it going to tell you all of that on someone's blood work? Like the allergy, the history? Yeah. Or- so I don't do blood I actually sent to the NGI team for that. I do a urine test. It's a 24 hour urine test. And that is going to give me information about what people are not digesting, how they're, how they're digesting the food or how they're not digesting the food. And it's going to show me where the deficiencies are as far as um, having enough digestive enzyme on board or if they have deficiencies from not breaking down some part of the diet. So for instance, if somebody's not digesting protein well enough, they could have a deficiency in calcium, magnesium. Protein acts as a carrier for those in, in general terms. Um, so the urine test gives me a lot of information about digestion, absorption, and detoxification on a general level. That is fascinating. And no one has ever told me that. Like every time I've gone to give urine or something, it's, I mean, no one has ever done that type of, is there like a a name for that type of test? Yeah. Well, it's a 24 hour integrated urinalysis panel. So when you're giving urine at the doctor, it's usually a one shot spot test and they're looking for 
some pathology things in the urine, making sure you don't have anything bad. And this is a, a preventative digestive test. This is looking to see how your body's digesting your food. It will mm. check for some oxalates, seeing if you're making any kidney stones, if you're having issues with um, you know, bladder issues and other digestive issues. It'll show me candida yeast overgrowth and any malabsorptive issues as well, too. And on a general level, bowel toxicity levels. So um, it's a nice step in test to see how A, you're digesting your food and B, where you're deficient. So it doesn't mean we start adding bunches of supplements too, because that's another, it could be another problem. I have many clients come to me with their grocery bags full of supplements and they're just taking way too much. And I'm very much a less is more person. I like to give just a couple of gentle things to help break down the food, um, work with, you know, if there's any kind of you know, bacteria in the gut, work with some gentle little antimicrobials and just really help to push the body along in the right direction gently. Most people are so quick to keep taking this for that. We put this supplement in for that, this for that, this for that, when really looking at changing the diet and digesting a good, healthy diet for you is a nice way to, you know, gently detoxify the body and regain your health, so to speak. Who knew? That is insane. I might do, I might be your guinea pig just to, just for podcast purposes, just to like test this out on me because I love it. Anytime, anytime. I mean, I think that would be really interesting to have like a, like a subject that you start from scratch and then you, you know, could be something that we, we, we talk about on later episodes, but it's fascinating to me, allergens and histamines. Like I, I never even, no one has ever had this conversation with me before ever, like no doctor. You know, even an allergist, they'll, they're going to do those, those scratch testing, start testing on right. your arm for all kinds of stuff. And that's not the wrong thing, but they're looking for how your body's maybe mounting a response to something. Um, and maybe the, there's some food sensitivity stuff in there. But I, the way I love doing allergy testing is taking the food out, seeing how you feel, putting it back in and seeing what the hell happens. <laughs> do you feel like shit again? Are you feeling bad because you've eaten this food? Or can you tolerate some of it? Sometimes, what's your threshold? I love helping people expand their threshold so that if they are at a party where they are out and they're just, oh, they can't get something that's on their, you know, their particular diet, they're not going to fall off the edge. They're going to be able to eat without having to, um, you know, talk to people about why they're doing what they're doing and not have a conversation about it and not feel bad. The whole trick behind doing what I do is to help people be in their life so that they can be wherever and feel good and not worry about what's going in. And certainly there is some, um, you know, there's some wrangling that comes with it for sure. But the threshold is different for everybody. And even for myself, different at different times a year, depending on how much airborne allergen is in the air. That's another layer, another hit to the body. It's another thing the body has to manage and deal with. So when there's less allergens the air in the air, we can have a little more low histamine wine. <laughs> and and again, South Florida, it's a nightmare down here for allergens. I mean, it is a, so many people have major, major issues with that down here. There's different types of trees and different berries and different just grasses, a, a grasses right? Like it, it's, we live in like a, we live in a swamp is really what we live in down here. I mean, the Florida Everglades are probably 
you know, 20 minutes west of me. So oh yeah. We're and living in swampland. And mold, a lot of mold by you. Mold, a lot yeah. of mold, black mold, all kinds of mold. Uh, mold remediation is a huge business. I'm <laughs> in sure South I, Florida. I was walking, I was walking rookie yesterday and I was I was outdoors with him and I can look at the trees and all this pollen coming off the trees and on top of the car. You could just see, you can take your finger and write your name in on the hood of the car. And we're breathing that in and our body, our bodies are so smart. Our bodies really want to help us. So we make all that mucus to help get rid of all that. And that's why people get so sneezy and, and drippy. <laughs> Fascinating. Renee, this has been <laughs> eye-opening for me. Oh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm floored. I can't believe what you're telling me. And I can't believe that so many people go throughout their life and they never talk to someone like you to get those answers. And then someone, they go to a regular doctor who doesn't do anything like that. And then they're put on a medication for something totally different. Well, if you have headaches, you should take this medication or like, what's the root of what's the root cause of the issue? Right. And God bless doctors. You know, they can save your life doing the best they can. They're not, they're not trained in this and they don't want to be trained in this. They want to send this off to people like me and other people who do this type of work. They do what they do really well. And I like to think that I do what I do really well too. And it's a merriment, you know, you have to, no matter whether you're Western or Eastern or Northern or Southern or whatever <laughs> side of the fence you are, you have to eat a good diet. You have to digest a good diet. And you have to absorb a good diet. And your body has to get rid of the cellular waste from a good diet. And it's different depending on how much stress, physical stress, uh, you know, uh, nutritional stress, eating something that your body's not digesting, emotional stress, which if you're alive, you have it. And then physical stress too, where the body has physical issues. And I'm going to touch on that next time. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the triad of health and how our body can have so much stress that it's affecting certain systems um, in the body and what it show what it you know what it'll show up like in your in your system and in your body. Fascinating, Renee. This has been eye-opening. Thank you so much for this knowledge. And where can people, I mean, people can find you on your website, they can find you on the, the phone number below. And yes. remember. If, if you like the tummy whisperer, remember to like, follow, share, leave Renee a five-star review. She can be found on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you digest your digital content. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. And uh, email her, write her. You know, there's so many questions that you might have. And the beauty of Renee is that she can treat you from anywhere. She's virtual. So it doesn't yes. matter where you live. Yes, anywhere in the United States. Um, certainly I can do consultation anywhere you have a, a phone or a computer, um, but happy to get questions answered. People have so many questions about their health. And again, as Janine said, please reach, reach out whenever you uh, have any questions. Digestive Health Solutions or the tummywhisperer.com. And I will see everybody next week. Mm -hmm.